Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's C. Sparky, 555 past the hour. Time for another interview. This time with our guy Paul Braille from Packers Wire on Family Night Practice. I'm from here from the Wendy's studios. Wait, did someone say it's buy one, get one for just a dollar at Wendy's? Yeah, that's right. Bogo to Wendy's and double up on all your favorites. Buy the Tasty Dave single, the spicy chicken sandwich, the crispy 10-piece nugs, or a smooth, creamy, medium, frosty, get the strawberry, and get another for just a buck. You heard it right. You too could take advantage of this amazing BOGO deal at participating Wendy's. Hurry before it's BOGON. You, of course, can follow Paul Brettle on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettle. And uh, let's talk a little bit about family night, Paul, uh, and get into that. Your thoughts on how Jordan Love looked. For me, I was excited. He didn't throw it into anybody's chest on the defensive side of the ball. A couple accuracy issues. But other than that, I thought he was fine. Yeah, I think that's a, a good way to describe it. You know, once he got through, and Matt LaFleur even said afterwards, talking with us, that there was probably some uh, adrenaline going through Love early on. I think we saw that because there were some overthrows. There was a deep crossing route where he uh, led Musgrave a little too far. A few plays later, Musgrave had a step down the seam, overthrew him. Uh, Romeo Dobbs down the right sideline had a step on Jair Alexander, and Love wasn't able to connect. So all of those were early on, but I thought he settled in really well and you hit a really important point. There weren't any turnovers or even what I would consider turnover worthy plays where the, you know, the defense just didn't capitalize on the opportunity and the offense, especially in that two minute drill, they were able to generate some big plays. He was able to connect with Musgrave on the crosser, uh, hit Watson on a slant for a catch and run opportunity for about 20 yards. And then from just outside the red zone, hit Watson, um, you know, placed the ball perfectly in tight coverage where Corey Ballantyne couldn't get to it was a really nice grab by Watson as well. He also connected with Romeo Dobbs in one-on-one drills in a, in a similar part of the end zone on a similar type throw early on from about 20, 25 yards out. So we saw the big play potential. We saw him taking care of the ball, did a really good job of taking what the defense gave him. So overall, I thought it was a, a sound performance once we got past those initial you know, incompletions early on that sounds like it was you know, due to some of the adrenaline running through him. Until we get to joint practices, which is coming up this week against the Bengals, and then obviously the first preseason game this weekend, is it difficult to kind of figure out how good this running game really is at this point because of the rules of practice and so forth? Yeah, it's been tough. I mean, there's you know they haven't been doing any sort of tackling. The pads even just came on last week, so it's tough to get a gauge on 
where the where the run game stands, you know, and the the offensive line play in general is going to be so so crucial to the success of this unit. Obviously, if Love doesn't have time, that's probably not going to end well. If the run game isn't consistent and this young offense, young quarterback facing a lot of second, third, and longs, predictable passing situations, that isn't going to end well, most likely. So the success on the ground is so, so important to the overall success of the offense this season. Good thing, though, they got uh, an experienced backfield, um, an experienced offensive line that they can lean on to hopefully help take some of the, the burden off of love and the young pass catchers. Let's talk about that offensive line. How confident are we that Josh Myers is the starting center in week one? Oof, that's a great question. You know, I'm I'm on the fence right now. And so Matt LaFleur said that Myers has played well. And I think going back to last year, you see those flashes, but he said it comes down to consistency. Yep. And that's really what's lacking. And I think last year we saw that as well. And one thing to really keep our eyes on, there's been three uh, botch snaps so far between uh, Josh Myers and Jordan Love. And, you know, it's tough to know where the blame lies in terms of more Love or more Myers, but that exchange has been a problem. Uh, Zach Tom, I, something that really stuck with me this offseason is when Brian Gudikins was talking about him, he said going back to the draft, you know, Tom played both center and left tackle at Wake Forest. They evaluated him as center being his best position. So I do very much think that that's uh, uh, an opportunity for Tom to step into this lineup because he is one of the best five. He's going to be on the field come week one. It just depends on where it is. And to me, the offensive line play is very much the sum of the the sum of the parts are greater than one individual. You know, if the left side's really good, but the right side struggles, the offensive line unit as a whole is going to struggle. So where is the biggest talent gap? Is it between Myers and Tom at center, or is it between Myers and Josh Nyman at right tackle? And based on what we've seen so far, it very well could end up being at that center position. I obviously wasn't at family night uh, practice and was busy getting the house ready for a baptism party on Sunday, Saturday. So I didn't watch it until uh, yesterday afternoon, and I liked what they did on the TV broadcast part of it uh, with McCarron uh, and Larry interviewing different people throughout the broadcast. The only downside to that is you really didn't know who was doing what unless you knew them by their numbers, <laughs> and when you get to this point, you don't know everybody by their numbers, especially second and third string guys. But having said that, McCarron brought up that he's been really impressed by TJ Slayton uh, and feels like he's taken a step from where he was the first couple of years. What have you taken away from watching him? Yeah, TJ Slayton has been fantastic so far this year. He's generating a, a consistent push in the middle. I've even seen him flash on some pass rush rep, reps as well. Uh, that's not obviously not going to be the bread and butter of what he's asked to do, but he's going to end up out on the field in passing situations, so that's great to see. I would say that the play of the interior defensive line as a whole uh, has has really caught my attention. You know, This is a young unit, just like the receiver and just like the tight end, Slayton, Wyatt, and Clark are the only players who have any sort of NFL experience on the roster. And as we know, Slayton and Wyatt don't exactly have a ton. But collectively as a group, they've been uh, generating a lot of push. They look a lot faster. Like their, their ability to get into the backfield quicker, their ability to flow sideline to sideline to limit the ball carrier if they're trying to get outside. I've been really impressed with this unit. And ultimately, we have to see how they perform when it matters before you know, I think many of us are going to be fully bought in. But just like on the uh, offensive side of the ball where it starts in the trenches, that's where it starts here for this defense. There was a stat from last season that I just felt really encapsulates how the Packers performed against the run. And the defense as a whole 
had the best third down, or excuse me, the eighth best third down defense in football last season. The problem was they faced the fewest amount of third downs per game. So in short, they were able when they were able to get stop the run game on first, second down, put offenses in third and longs, pass rush, the strength of this unit was able to pin its ears back. You have a playmaking secondary, puts them in position to make plays. But on the flip side, offenses were moving the chains a lot before they even got to third down. Yep. And a lot of that stemmed from picking up five, six, seven yards a pop in the run game. So for this defense as a whole to find success, it's going to start up front. And like I said, they look a lot faster. I think that's been a, uh, a, a specific move that Brian Gutekunst has tried to make, you know, the addition of Devontae Wyatt last year, adding Colby Wood and Carl Brooks this year. That Playmakers podcast uh, from The Athletic, Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers, was on there. And the connection with the Packers is that Joe Barry was brought to Green Bay by the floor to run a version of that Brandon Staley defense. And when he was on there talking, he talked about versatility and speed being a key part of the interior defensive line players that they're looking for rather than the space eaters, the guys who, you know, clog up the middle, like the Tyler Lancasters, the Dean Lowry's that we've seen here in recent years, that's, that defense needs gap penetrators, guys who can get North and South quickly and I feel like we're really seeing that, and it feels like it's a move made by Brian Gutekinds, again, to get the, the right type of players for the defensive scheme on the field. And so this group has really caught my attention. As I said, they got, uh, they got history that they need to overcome and show us that they can hold up against the run, but, but I'm excited to see how they continue to develop. Tom Paul Brettel, contributor to Packers Wire. Follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel. Don't forget, uh, he's also been on Curd and Long, the podcast Ryan Horvath and I do Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, post by 5 p.m. Central Time. Download it on your Odyssey app or wherever you download your favorite podcast at. You know, not being up at training camp practice and being down here, I am left to watch everybody's Twitter account to see what actually is happening. <laughs> uh, and there has not been a lot of mention at all good or bad of Quay Walker throughout this entire training camp uh, other guys are popping left and right making plays haven't seen or heard a lot of Quay Walker what do you make of that you know I'm glad you brought up Quay Walker and just the linebacker position in general I, I mentioned briefly about this unit uh, in an article recently and I thought that not only Quay but Devondre Campbell have been really really good uh, here in training camp there haven't been these big splash plays but they've been sound. I really, really liked how they've been filling gaps at the line of scrimmage in the run game, flowing sideline to sideline to limit ball carriers when they're trying to get outside. In coverage, you know, if the ball comes their direction, they're close by what feels like every single time. So I've been really impressed with this group. Quay Walker, you know, obviously in year two, you hope that you see a big jump from those sophomore players. Devondre Campbells, he, he said on Twitter a week or two ago that he's fully healthy. We know that he dealt with the knee injury during the middle portion of last season, but he also said that early on uh, he was dealing with a, sh a shoulder injury, so he's fully healthy. And honestly, even the play of the second unit, Isaiah McDuffie, Eric Wilson, I've been really impressed with the linebacker unit as a whole and for all the reasons just mentioned. And one wrinkle that I want to I want to mention from family night, uh, when the Packers offense was at uh, their own five-yard line, we it was I think the scenario was third down. Devondre Campbell was the only linebacker playing in the traditional linebacker role, and Quay Walker was lined up as at the at the line of scrimmage next to Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, and then Lucas Van Ness on the far outside. So that that was a, a, a formation, a wrinkle. I don't know how much more of that we'll see, but uh, 
you know, caught my attention. And Quay Walker, I believe he had about 80 pass rush snaps last season. You know, that's something where he could factor in more into the defense in that capacity. Jason Rebrovich, the Packers pass rush game coordinator, was asked earlier this offseason about where Walker factors in in that capacity, and he just said yes. Uh, but I'm, but <laughs> to to uh, expound on that a little bit, Kirk Olivadotti, excuse me, the linebackers coach said that first Quay has to continue to show that he can handle his primary linebacker responsibilities before more is added to his plate. So that's, of course, going to be step one from him. But if he can take that step in year two, we see that progression from what I feel I've seen early on in training camp. That's that's an area where we could see him utilize more, you know, just go get after the quarterback. Two two questions left for you. Uh, the first one, Jair Alexander saw some comments about they want him to play closer to the line of scrimmage and not, you know, fall back 10 yards from the line of scrimmage before the ball is snapped. Uh, what have you seen from Jair and changes he has made? Yeah, Jair has been fantastic. Uh, this this training camp so far, I did a, a a standout players article over at Packers Wire, and I debated including him on it just because he's Jair Alexander. You know, we we expect a high level of play from right. him, but I ended up putting him in there because he's just been so good. Uh, either the ball's not coming his direction, or he is all over the receiver to make a play on it. Uh, so, been really really impressed by him and. Just the cornerback room as a whole. I was asked a question recently about you know, which position group has just been the best so far. And to me, it's been the cornerbacks for the reasons mentioned about Jair. But uh, Razul Douglas has been very good. Keyshawn Nixon in that starting slot role as well has, has taken to it uh, very, very well so far. And even when you start to get into the backups, Carrington Valentine, the rookie from love Kentucky, seventh-round pick. Yep, love him. But you see his length, you see his athleticism, his ability to stick by the receiver, make plays on the ball. Corey Valentine, another, uh, he's been the other boundary cornerback with Valentine with the second unit. So I've just been really, really impressed by the entire play of the cornerback room so far. Give me, I'm sure there's multiple, but give me one area of concern you have early on here in training camp. Uh, I think I touched on one already. I think it's just the run defense. Uh, again, we need to see it when it can happen or in meaningful action. Uh, and again, going back to everything I mentioned previously, the importance of it. Uh, another one I would say is, and this is a little bit, you know, coming off of family night, the tight end room, was they, they performed really, really well. We saw Luke Musgraves playmaking. Uh, Tucker Kraft had some nice blocks in the run game, had what I think was his best performance as a pass catcher. But I think that group overall has been the shakiest so far. Um, and to be expected, Matt LaFleur has often talked about how the, you know, the jump from college to the NFL at that position is the second toughest only after quarterback because of all the responsibilities they have as blockers, moving around, as pass catchers. And we've seen that early on. There's been some drops. Um, there's been some you know missed blocks or not holding up as well as you would like to see. So, again, there's nothing – that's unexpected that I just mentioned. Again, that's what we should be expecting to a degree with such a young room overall, but that's one to keep our eyes on just because we know the tight end plays such an important role in this offense. And there's tons of reasons, the ones I just mentioned that we saw in family night to be excited about what this group can do. There's going to be a playmaking at this position that we just haven't seen in green Bay in years. If Musgrave and Kraft can progress as blockers you know, and impact both the run game and the passing game, there's going to be a level of unpredictability with this offense that we just haven't seen at that position either. Again, because where they're lined up, 
you know, if they're able to impact both those parts of the game, defenses aren't necessarily going to be able to know what's coming. So there's tons of reasons to be excited, but for all the reasons mentioned as well, it's been up and down from that group, which again, should be expected. This year, the offense will be a work in progress. Next year, in 2024, I think is when you see the offense really take a step, but we'll see if I'm right. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Paul Brettel, at Paul underscore Brettel, B-R-E-T-L, contributor with Packers Wire. Paul, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Sparky. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 